0: Dit is SBS Dutch.
1: I don't think I can compare at all. It's actually quite funny because it used to be uh this is uh, Gary's daughter Emily. Now uh uh this is uh Emily's dad Gary. It's, it's reversed. So, which I like.
0: <laughs> Voormalig verdediger van Roda JC, Olympisch atleet voor de Soccer Roos en de coach van het Newcastle Jets Frauen Elftal, behalve een indrukwekkende carrière voor zichzelf, is hij ook nog eens vader van Mathilda's middenvelder Emily Van Egmond, die op het moment het wereldkampioenschap vrouwenvoetbal onveilig maakt. Gary Van Egmond, you must be extremely proud of your daughter, Emily.
1: Ah, oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's great to see her here in a in her home country representing uh, and playing at the highest level. It's uh yeah, very proud, proud father, proud family.
0: Do you get to talk to her a lot now that the World Cup's on?
1: I oh, look yeah, we communicate obviously through the through the, through the telephone. So um yeah, we, we talk daily. She's always, you know, asking questions and and wondering what's, you know, what what she could have done maybe better and analysing games and things of that nature. But, yeah. But, uh, no, we we, we talk daily, you know, and also how are you going? It's not easy sometimes being in a hotel all the time and... Nice for her to have that contact.
0: Because normally she plays for a San Diego side.
1: Yes, that's correct. She's playing in America at this moment. Yeah, but we're lucky we can stream the games, uh, so we can watch them. But now with FaceTime and, and everything, we've just got to work out the hour differences so it's not so it's not in the middle of the night for either of us. Yeah. But no, we stay in contact a lot. You know, we've always had a very close relationship.
0: Are there any times where you may not necessarily agree with decisions that are being made on the field? <laughs>
1: Uh, again, you know, from from the perspective of what I talk to her about is more about the individual. Everyone has a different jigsaw puzzle as far as a, a coach is concerned. You know, do they want to play counter? Do they want to play press? Do they want to play with certain formation? How do they want to do things when they don't have the ball? There's all different formations and ways of utilizing players to Best serve the team. I only talk to her about her individual game in regards to, you know, technical and 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 maybe from the the position of, of what is directly for her. But for the for the game, look, you know, the, the coach will. Uh, We'll have all of those solutions. And from a coaching perspective, it's, you know, what's successful, what's unsuccessful. Well, mostly in tournament football, if you win or if you lose.
0: (laughs) So so when did Emily ever start in soccer? Look,
1: she started when she was very young. She was five years of age. Uh, She had a love of the ball very, very early. You know, she played all sports, basketball, netball athletics, swimming, tennis, you know, all, all sports. But uh, football always seemed to be the the one game that she uh, was drawn to. It was always football that she came back to.
0: Right. So, so when she told you that she wanted to go pro, what did you think?
1: Yeah, look, back then it was, uh, again, for a, for a girl, you know, 15, 16 years of age, that's nearly 15 years ago for, for Emily, it was more a case of, look, that's nice, it's great, you're going to need something else because, you know, it's not a professional career. You know, they they got paid part time, so it was nice that she wanted to play. But it, it never, I never thought in my wildest dreams it would get to where it has got to in the last, you know, 15 years.
0: So, so what was it, what was going to be her fallback career?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question, um, <laughs> because if she wasn't academic, but again, you know, she would have found something that she would have liked to have done. But as it started to progress, she went overseas to Denmark very early at 17 years of age, and then to America from America. You know, she went to to Germany, uh, Germany to back to America, back to England, and now obviously back to America again. So, you know, it, it once it started, you could see that well, this is this is going to be a a, a full time career. So we never really got to that stage.
0: Uh, let me ask you a couple of questions about yourself. You're an Australian citizen. You're born in New South Wales, right? Correct. Yeah, but then around 1984, you decided to try your luck in Holland. Staying with Dutch Relatives, you tried out for a few clubs there. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah,
1: look, uh, we had um, some very close family friends uh, in the Petersons, and they came over on the same boat as my as my father and, and Oprah and Oma. So they were very close, and they always stayed quite close, but they were based in, in Melbourne. There was a, a guy called William the Schuman, and, and he had organized us, both myself and Michael, to have trials over in Holland with Ekase. yeah, we uh, we went over and yeah, it was a little bit unorganised, shall we say? But look, you know, we came over. It was a good experience. We came over. Marcel Bront was there. I remember very distinctly as a as a player. Um, and yeah, we went there, but we didn't get much feedback. We didn't know if they wanted us, didn't want us. So anyway, yeah, it was strange. We, both Michael and myself said, "Hey, we must go back to Australia." So we're going back to Australia, and I told my dad I was in I was in Thailand. It was a stopover. And we're on our way back, and he said, "You get it back on the plane, and you go back to Holland." And then I, um, I uh, lived at my uh, my auntie's place in uh, Den Haag, and I started training with uh, De with in in Delft with uh, Huus as was the was the coach. But I couldn't play because I didn't have my nationality, and I I, I couldn't sign. But the the idea was to keep training with him, and then I know Marcel Haag and myself and a couple of others were were looking maybe to trial at Feyenoord and. So I was training hard, and then I got a, a letter saying that I had to go to for national dienst. and I thought, no, I'm not doing this. So I, I then went home.
0: How does an Australian citizen get called up for military draft in the Netherlands?
1: Yeah, so what had happened, I ended up uh, being in a position where I, I got Dutch nationality through my father, obviously. And uh, with that, I started to live also in what was like a nurse's complex at in in Delft, no, in yeah, in Delft. I think it was in Delft uh, because my my auntie was the uh, she was in charge of the hospital, so she, she was able to get me accommodation there. And so then they found out about me, and then they said, yeah, okay, you uh, you have to um, you have to do service. And so it was like, no, 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 I can't do service. So I got out of there very
0: quickly. <laughs> so, so, so so you were a fugitive.
1: Yes, I am a fugitive, probably still. <laughs> I don't think I'm much service now at fifty eight. <laughs> <laughs>
0: obviously, your parents are oh, Dutch, um, and and you lived in the Netherlands for a while. Was it hard to fit in?
1: Yeah, look, it was interesting. Even though you know, obviously, you know, I've got Dutch background. You come over, and you're still a batalonder, huh? You're, you're still not not classed as a as a Dutch as a Dutch citizen, and you have to compete against players. You know, they have good friendships with players that they've been all the way through, uh, and that was the case at Roda. So it wasn't completely easy, but it wasn't. Like they were anti us. They were still very friendly. I, I, I remember Rene Trost for, in particular. Um, he was very welcoming. So again, you know, there was uh, some some people who really did come in and, and help us and support us. And and the club made you know both myself and uh, and Graham Arnold at the time was there as well. Uh, very welcome.
0: Yeah, as, as an Olympic athlete, by the way, were there any other international offers on the table?
1: No, not really. What happened, it was a really strange story too because um, I, I was playing in Australia for a club called Marconi and um, Fred De Jong, who was at Marconi as well, was a New Zealand international, he he came in and he said, yeah, look, you know, I'm going over to Holland to play for Fortuna Siddharth. And I looked at, and, and, and no disrespect to Fred, but I looked at it and I said, well, if Fred can go, geez, I might be able to go. <laughs>
0: do, do you think that at that time... Australian football was it was at a different level than Europe.
1: Oh, absolutely. We we came there and we yeah. I remember coming there and we played in a in a back five, mostly in a back three, and I was looked upon as being a policeman, right? Okay, so you 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 mark striker, striker doesn't score. You had a good game. Yeah, you come to Holland. Yeah, you, what are you doing with the ball, right? Okay, so you know it was a completely different way of of playing and understanding. And it was terrific. You know, it was, it was great. There was, so there was a, a lot of adjustment for, for myself in particular because of, you know, what was expected of me from a, from a footballing style within Australia because, you know, we tried to ensure that oppositions didn't score against us because of our level uh, in comparison to where the game is now
0: um so your parents came to uh australia in the 50s i believe
1: yeah look dad is Dutch. mum is english uh yeah so but dad was i think 51 to something like that they they migrated out and you know my 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 oma and opa it was obviously after the war and it was not a great deal there for the for the boys there's four boys yeah they came out and uh, wanted to start a new life and 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 give the you know give their boys an uh, an opportunity here in Australia.
0: And so, so, where were they from? In the Netherlands?
1: Uh, they're all bo- uh, born in Leiden, so uh, they were from from there. Um,
0: yeah. You have a daughter who plays soccer at the highest possible level. You're the coach of the Newcastle Jets women. Back when you played in the Dutch league, and probably before that, when you were a soccer woman's. F- women's football wasn't really a thing. Obviously, as the trainer of a women's team now, you look at those changes favorably. And, uh, but did that take much of a shift in your own view of, of women in football and, and maybe sports in general?
1: Look, I think it's a, a complete shift in view in, in regards to how we view women overall. It, it, you know, it was more a case, you know, it was, yeah, the men went to work, the woman stayed at home, which is was a stereotype back then. But now that's completely changed, and 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 rightly uh, so changed. But you only know what you know, right? Uh, and 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 so that's what it was. It, that was the the norm. That was the the way things got brought up until we started to get changed. And the, the change now is to, and most importantly, we can see that women, not only in sport but in business and in, in any walk of of life, the importance of them being in positions of power and status, because young men then grow up having more respect for women and that's vitally important um it's vitally important that we we give women the opportunity to to be in those positions and to to show what they can do and i think you know previously that that wasn't the case so you know someone might call me a feminist right okay which i'm very proud to be uh and and i think it's terrific that they've been Given so much opportunity, and 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 ensuring that it's also at the level. It's not like yeah, okay, we just want to to give you a chance, but no, it's you've got to be at the level, and, and that's that's most important that we're able to to help people to to get to the levels. You know, it's also very interesting, you know, from from a footballing perspective, what we've done re the rules and regulations in regards to women's football. So if we start looking at tennis, for example, it's three sets for females, five sets for, for men. Now, is that disrespectful or is that respectful for, for women? I don't know. I'm not too sure. You know, you have all different sports now like cricket and you know, we have a rugby union or rugby league and, and maybe the field size is, is different or the time is different. But for, for women in football, the, 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 the amount of time hasn't changed, the size of the field hasn't changed, the size of the goal hasn't changed to incorporate possibly what women need. I'm not saying it should, but I'm just saying maybe maybe we should look at that, you know, because we're at the moment getting a lot of injuries with women's football. It's, it's well documented about the differences physiologically of, of, between women and, and, and men. Are we placing too much physical expectation on them? And would we get more of a skill game if the field was 90 by 60 or it was 35 minutes each way? The goal was maybe a little bit small. I don't know. I, I'm not saying we should or we shouldn't, but I think they're good questions. You've got to look at women's sport as women's sport, not in a comparison to men's sport. It it has to it has to have its own entity, its own identity. It, it's it's got to be judged upon that. What what is the the outcome from that? Not oh yeah, I saw this, but did you see uh, in the Premier League and the men that uh, this 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 and this? Yeah no, that's uh that's that's not right.
0: I recently had a conversation with the Dutch minister for sport. And, and we discussed the pay gap in, in pro sports between men and women and specifically uh, related to soccer. Uh, how is that in Australia?
1: Yeah, look, it, it, uh, it's, it's the same. And, and not just in, in, in soccer, but in all sports, right? Uh, maybe tennis is the only one, I think, and golf, maybe. Could be a little bit more comparable it's here in swimming. Swimming is big in Australia and we do well in Olympic Games and there's good opportunities for female swimmers who do well at, at the Olympics, free you know, sponsorships. And, and these sorts of things with 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 brands and company. In in football, it's got better. Uh, it, it's growing. It's growing and growing really quickly. And a lot of businesses are, are really getting on the the bandwagon of of the sport and and supporting it. We had you know we had a sponsor for where we are at the Newcastle Jets who will put in an amount of money. But now it's we only want the money to go into. The women's team and as i said you know there's a there's a lot of benefits and a, a lot of things that go with that in particular young males growing up maybe not in a in, in a household that at some stage really recognize that but if you're showing that more and more then they start to recognize that it's you know so many 10 11 12 year old boys with you know sam kerr on the back of a, of their shirt fantastic absolutely fantastic
0: so who's the better player you or emily <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh look she's miles better than me. I was a athletic player, very quick, aggressive. I learned in Holland how to pass a ball, but yeah, I didn't know we we didn't really have coaching. It was more scrimmages and, you know, 4v4s, four 5v5s five going all the way through your youth development where uh, you know, where you, where you look at now, for her, her, her youth development was, was wonderful. And she had wonderful opportunities there to, to become a much, much, much better player. And it's now, sh- you can see, you know, she's had a, a much, much, much more successful career, you know, representing in four World Cups, two Olympic Games, how many Asian Cups has one player of the year here in Australia. Yeah, uh, I don't think I can compare at all.
0: So, but the all important question of course is who speaks better the Netherlands.
1: Oh, no no no, I speak I speak much better Dutch than her. But my Dutch is 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 shaky at best, but her Dutch is uh non-existent.
0: <laughs> okay, I will not jinx us by asking whether the Aussies or the Dutch will win the tournament. Uh instead <laughs> instead I will just ask who makes the better hot chips.
1: Makes the better what? Sorry. Hot chips. Oh, patat mess. <laughs> oh, look. <laughs> Uh, look, yeah, yeah, the, the hot chips in Holland are, are better. Um, if you if you go there and you have a you have potato hot chips or you have croquet or whatever, the, the food in Holland, uh, I really like. And
0: mayonnaise or sauce? Mayonnaise. That's the only right answer.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Thank you very much.
1: No problem. Thank you.
0: Like, deal, geef your reaction. Volg SBS Dutch on Facebook.